so I brought up serial killers in a job interview oh. this week. <laughs> and I felt really stupid after I said it. But it it went okay, I guess. <laughs> so did you, did you get the job? Well, they, yeah, they offered me the job after I fully brought up knowing a lot about serial killers when they asked me, what's one thing you could teach us in like less than a few minutes right now? Is there something you could show us? And I was thinking like, I don't know how to juggle. I don't know. To, I don't know how to do anything. Like I was like, well, I know a lot about serial killers. Um, I almost feel well, like it would be creepier if you did know how to juggle. So I, well, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, um, what the hell could I show someone in a few minutes? I'm in a business cash, you know, with my little blazer, like sweating through my blazer. And there are four women in there. And I was like, um, I don't know, but I know a lot about serial killers. And then I felt kind of stupid, but how did they react? They were like, Oh, (laughs) they're like, well, which one's your like favorite? I was like, well, I don't really have a favorite because you know, they're killers. But, um, I I just said John Wayne Gacy off the top of my head because he's the most, like, he's one of the most fascinating to me. But why did I, why did I bring it up? Why did I say that? I don't know. But maybe you can look back in a year and laugh at it. I hope so. I hope they, I just hope they don't bring it up. Like, remember the time we almost didn't hire you because, (laughs) you know, I mean, I got the job, but like, I hope in a year they don't go. Yeah, that was, we had to talk to the board about Mm -hmm. it or like we, (laughs) we had to get you cleared through security. Well, I would have hired you. Well, thank you. Yes. Yes. Well, so I guess to get this started, um, Welcome to The Shallow Dive. My name is Megan. And my name's Chessie. And we are here on our very first podcast to just talk about whatever we want. All the things. All the things. Yes. All the topics. We're brand new at this. And Can you tell? Disclaimer. Yeah. Can, <laughs> can you tell that we're new at this? Um, this is brand new for us and we're just giving this a shot. So bear with us. And if you are listening and you're not my mom or Chessie's siblings. <laughs> yeah. The- <laughs> Then we appreciate you being here, and well, I appreciate if my mom listens too. So, <laughs> um, so we're gonna just get into our topics because we again have no idea what we're doing. So, no. Ch- Chessie, <laughs> do you want to get started with what you chose to talk about this week? Sure. Okay. Okay. So, what I picked to talk about this week is cursed movie sets. Ooh, okay. Um, so I'm gonna talk about two different movie sets that supposedly have curses on them. And when I was researching this topic, I found like 10 and I narrowed it down. So you're, yeah, you're welcome. Absolutely. Yes. You're yeah. Welcome. We could have been here a while. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I'm excited. Yes. So at least personally, when I hear about cursed movie sets, the first one that comes to mind is Poltergeist. Megan, do you, have you ever heard of the Poltergeist curse? Very um, briefly. I feel like the only thing I, when comes to mind for Poltergeist is Indian burial ground and the guy that played Hayden Fox on Coach was it the guy from yes. Coach that was in that? That's the only thing I really know about Poltergeist and like a blurry TV with static. Yeah. Well, okay, I mean okay. that pretty much sums it up. Hey, there. Okay, well, see you guys next week when we <laughs> cover something else. Okay, so a couple fun facts about Poltergeist. It was released in 1982, and it was directed by Toby Hooper. And it's kind of funny because Poltergeist is rated PG, which I definitely feel like nowadays it would be rated PG-13, but the PG-13 rating wasn't introduced until 1984. Oh. So... Which is funny because I definitely use this to my advantage because I used to work at Family Video and our like rules for playing stuff on the screens were it had to be G or PG. So I'm like, yes, I'm definitely going to play Poltergeist. It slipped under the radar. (laughs) (laughs) Loopholes, my friend. Loopholes. Loopholes. Love it. Yes, that's awesome. Yes, and so another fun fact about Poltergeist is, so it's directed by Toby Hooper, who also directed Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's written and produced by Steven Spielberg, but it's just funny because it's like a 
uh, what do you call it when it's like a well-known secret, I guess, that Steven Spielberg is actually the one that directed it and they just gave Toby Hooper the directing credit. So it's pretty much a Steven Spielberg movie. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's weird. I like that. Yes. Okay. So getting to the curse, the curse comes from a super creepy cause that is very real. There's a scene in Poltergeist where Joe Beth Williams, who played the mom in the movie, um, she's running outside and it's raining and it's really muddy and she slips into her pool and then all these corpses and skeletons start coming up out of the water and there's even like a coffin that raises up and it opens and there's a skeleton in it. So the creepy thing about that scene is that those skeletons were real. What? Yes. (laughs) So and I know doesn't that sound like an urban legend? Like, it sounds like an urban legend. It sounds like a health code violation. Oh, yeah. But this was the 80s, so. Right. <laughs> right. So the actors didn't even know until after the fact that they were real skeletons. And it has been confirmed by many people. Otherwise, I wouldn't even believe it. But there is a quote from someone who worked as special effects on the film. And he said that he acquired a number of biological surgical skeletons. They're for hanging in classrooms and study, but they're actual skeletons from people. Um, the bones were require, er, acquired from India. Yeah, it says, at any rate, we got 13 of these. We dressed them so that they looked like not bleached, clean skeletons, but um, like disintegrating cadavers. And they added sculpted rubber and things so that they would look scary. But yeah, they were actual clinical corpses. So they he just brushed over the fact that he acquired these. He's like, we acquired it. Well, at any rate, we made them look real. And so they were real people. Yes. Oh, my God. That's bad luck. And bad Oh, luck. it's bad luck. And it's, <laughs> it's weird to me because they said the reason why they use real skeletons versus, like, making some or getting mm-hmm. plastic skeletons is that it was cheaper. Oh, my God. Like, that is the reason a lot of people do a lot of bad things. That's cheaper. But like, cheaper labor, cheaper. But dead bodies and, is what you're. Right. In what <laughs> world is it cheaper to acquire a human skeleton than a plastic skeleton? Yeah. I guess, like you said, it's the 80s, so... Wow. I don't know. Man, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah. So, obviously, they, like, desecrated all these human bones. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So, everyone's like, oh, well, that's obviously where the curse comes from. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, there were a lot of people that worked in the film that were affected by this curse. The one that kind of happened the soonest after filming wrapped was um, Dominique Dunn. So, she played the older sister in the movie, and she was strangled to death by her abusive ex-boyfriend. And this is, like, her, that girl is Dominic Dunn, her dad. Yes. And he was, like, went on to be, like, a, was he a social justice warrior or what? I don't feel, I feel like I don't know enough about him, but he had something to do with the OJ trial. Yes, yes. Gotcha. So, didn't he have a show that was, like, truth and justice am i making Had that to. up no i feel like he did we're gonna you know at this stage in our wonderful podcasting career we have no editors or no one to google it or no one to yell at so unfortunately we're gonna have to look that up ourselves so e- yeah. it's either true or chessie made it up yeah chessie might have made it up <laughs> and i'm going i co-sign i'm yeah yeah it's it's the truth now so yes So, yes, Dominique Dunn, she was at her house, and she had just broken up with an abusive ex-boyfriend, like, I think it said uh, a couple weeks beforehand, and he came over to her house to try to, like, get her back and to try to work it out, and she refused him because he was an abusive piece of shit. Right, So, he strangled her in her driveway, and Uh. it put her into a coma. And oh God. she died four days later on November 4th, 1982. So that was about five months after the film's release. She was just 22 years old when she died. And oh. the thing that really baffles me is that John Sweeney, who was her ex-boyfriend that killed her, he only served three and a half years in prison. Oh, from, my God. And she died from for it. For murdering her. Yeah. Straight up murder. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? So that's fucked up. Okay, so... So that's why her dad went on to, like, be a crusader, because that's so... that's Justice was not served. No. Basically. There was no truth and justice in that. Zero. Yeah. 
Um, so that was kind of the first incident um, that really made people think about the curse. Another crazy thing that involves someone who worked on the films, um, Heather O'Rourke. Sorry, Heather O'Rourke. Um, O'Rourke? I, yeah, I can't talk. That's like the word brewery. Oh, that is that is hard. Heather O'Rourke brewery. That is hard. Um, so she played the youngest daughter in the Poltergeist film. So she was the one with the blonde hair, the little girl with the staticky TV who's like, they're here. Yes, yeah. that one, yes. So that line. So she was just five years old when she was cast as Carol Ann, and she played her for all three films of the movie. So when she was 12 years old, which was right after they finished filming Poltergeist 3, she felt sick and her parents thought she had the flu because she was violent vomiting and they took her to the hospital on the way to the hospital she went into cardiac arrest um and it turned out that she had an undiagnosed bowel disease so she actually had a bowel obstruction and there were toxins leaking into her system and she died from that when she was 12 years old that is fucking terrible. Yeah. So Dominique was like 22 mm-hmm. and this girl was 12. Was 12. And so they're all related to this movie. Okay. Yes. Oh, and there, there's more. <laughs> there's I'm more. I'm ready. But wait. <laughs> but, there's but more. But wait. There's lots more. <laughs> um, so it's just crazy because I think those two in particular are definitely like the most like shocking because it's like two young girls. Heather was ill, but they didn't know it. So it's just like a young girl going from fine to dead and then... And obviously when someone's murdered, it's a shock. So it's just like two things that were very sudden that happened. Yeah. Um, A lot of the other stuff that happened as far as the curse, um, they're not as, I'm less convinced. We'll say, we'll say that. (laughs) I mean, they're a side note. Yes. Okay. So Richard Lawson, who played Andy in the first film, he was in a plane crash. Um, Jesus. He survived, but 27 people did die. So that was like a near death experience. But maybe that was like a poltergeist blessing because he didn't die. Yeah. It's like a reverse curse. Yeah. (laughs) The reverse curse. Yes. Um, A man who had a very small role in the first film, his name's Lou Perryman, he was murdered in 2009 by Seth Christopher Tatum, who broke into his house and attacked him with an axe. Gee, an axe. An axe. What a fucking murder weapon. That's so bizarre. It's like, what are the fucking odds of these murders and accidents? Like, it's crazy. They're not natural deaths, because even the girl that died at 12 of a bowel obstruction complication that's not natural for a 12 year old so this all does seem pretty um horrific for i mean death is bad to begin with but attacked with an axe yeah really yeah that's fucking crazy yeah olive robbins who played the middle child robbie this happened on set actually so i don't know if you i don't think you've seen the movie maybe you have i don't know it's i think i saw a bit of the first one a hundred years ago but again i my pop culture references are mostly what i know based on horror movies because as you know i'm fucking terrified of my own shadow and the last horror movie i probably watched besides like get out um was like the hills have eyes 12 years oh, ago yeah. that was some time ago i mean yeah. i'm scared of everything too don't get me wrong yeah. don't yeah. get me wrong um but okay so in the movie there's like this creepy clown doll that like comes to life oh, and uh, yeah so the kid who played the middle child had an incident with this mechanical clown where so it had really long arms and they like oh, they wrapped around him and the clown <laughs> the <laughs> the clown malfunctioned and choked him and like listen wait a minute wait, no wait I swear minute. to God listen what fucking nightmare <laughs> no I know that is I would legit quit nightmare. acting I would quit life I would sue everybody around me <laughs> can you imagine going home and telling someone well the clown doll did malfunction today and tried to like choke me like how <laughs> is he like a normal person like after that Clear- I want I we're gonna have to do this is the shallow dive we're gonna have to do a deep dive on where are they now because that motherfucker has to have serious problems yeah serious I mean problems. I has to. yes I definitely would Oh, um, but it's scary because 
So it was choking him. And in this scene, it was supposed to look like a struggle. And like, so he was actually struggling, but people thought he was acting. And supposedly he was saved by Steven Spielberg, who was like the first person to realize like something's going wrong. Um, Oh my God. Yeah. So that's scary. Yeah. Okay. There were a couple more people who did have natural deaths that were working on the film. So Julian Beck, he was in the second movie. He played a preacher named Kane. Um, he died of stomach cancer shortly after filming. God. Um, another man named Will Sampson, who played um, in Poltergeist 2, he played a man named Taylor. He died from complications after a heart and lung transplant. So, yes, that that is sad. And that man, Will Sampson, he supposedly had a lot of bad vibes on the set of the movie. And, like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, it's because they used human remains on the first set. But Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the dead bodies. <laughs> so he supposedly performed an exorcism on the set and people felt better after that. And that, I don't know, like, that type of stuff is so, you're like, okay, whatever. That probably didn't happen. But I always think that when people perform any type of religious thing or, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, I feel like that has that bad energy has to go somewhere. And then, exactly. Was that the same guy that had the, the transplants? Yes. Or was, yeah. So, like, maybe he his stuff went bad because he got all the bad juju. Oh, no. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> God. Fuck all that. Oh, no. No. <laughs> A couple of cast members said that they felt uneasy feelings even at home. And the mom, who was with the corpses in that scene. um, Who was with all the corpses hanging out. Um, So she said she would go home and feel an uneasy presence in her house. And all of the pictures on her walls would be crooked when she got home. And she would, like, Mm -hmm. straighten them. And then she would come home the next day and they would be crooked again. Nope. Yeah. Nope. No. (laughs) Not in my home. Not. No, no, I don't want it. I don't want it in my home. I hate that. Like, that's one thing if you go to work and you're like, man, this vibe is weird. I don't like it. We're doing this creepy movie. I don't want to be here. You know, the bodies in the pool and such, probably a bad vibe. Mm-hmm. But if you come into my home, oh, where do you feel safe after that? Yeah. Ugh, gross. Definitely, definitely not in a pool. Mm-mm, no. Not, don't get in the pool. No. No, no, ma'am. Uh, the director of the 2015 reboot of the movie, which as I was looking into this stuff, I was like, I wonder if anything happened on the reboot, which I right. have not seen and probably won't see. Um, no. no. But the director did say that the film was plagued with strange equipment failures and that while filming, the house he was staying at was haunted by a woman in a black dress. Oh, for God's sake. So either that's a really good PR <laughs> that's move what to try I'm to get saying. people to watch. Yeah. Or you idiots remade a haunted movie and you decided, <laughs> first of all, quit rebooting everything. Yeah. yeah. Second of all, let's reboot something that ha- was problematic to begin with as far as rumors of the Indian burial ground. It was actually dead bodies from India or whatever. Right. <laughs> so oh, that's my terrible. God. That's, the whole thing. That is terrifying. Ew. I hate it. No, don't do that. Yeah, that is terrifying. Yeah, you're for sure asking to be haunted. If if haunting's a real thing, your ass just asked for it. It sure did. It sure did. Ugh. Yeah, he Gross. was like, I didn't go looking for the curse. I'm like, yes, you did. Bitch, excuse me. Uh, I believe that you did. You did. You, when you announced you'd reboot a movie that was uh, claimed to have a curse on it, <laughs> you asked for it. You're looking Sorry. for a curse. You're looking for a curse. <laughs> Okay, so that's all with the um with poltergeist. I okay. say that's all like it's not a lot, but like that <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot for one film series for all of that to like go wrong and crazy happenings like a freaking plane crash, that's scary. Like mm-hmm. all of it bad. An axe murderer? Yeah, not good. All of it bad. Bad. Okay. Mark it down as bad. Yes. Check mark bad. Check. Bad. Um so the next movie that I'm going to talk about is The Exorcist. I was like looking stuff up for this last night and I was like, this is such a bad idea on my part because like I had a hard time because The Exorcist Mm-mm. is the scariest movie on the planet to me. Like it is one Ugh. of my biggest fears. And of course you're like reading stuff and her freaking picture pops up like you don't want yep. it to. Listen, Reagan, nobody asked no. you, you know, no. I don't like that when you research something and they show you the photos like, bitch, I just wanted to get a general 
general idea. Yeah. I didn't need to be scared. I didn't need to see your face. I don't need your... 20 no. pictures of your creepy ass haunting mm-hmm. me at night. Well, nope. and uh, my husband was asleep, so I was like the only one up. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Sa- Satan's yeah. coming for me. Satan is coming. He's in the house. Yes. Fantastic. Yes. So Gross. not the exorcist is just fucking creepy in general, sure. in real life yeah. and in the movie. So, okay, lots of weird occurrences on set. Okay. Um, at one point, the set burnt down. Um, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> just burnt me. down. Just straight up burnt <laughs> yeah. down? Yeah. Um, no one was hurt, but it did delay filming. So that made it hard. Yes. Yeah. I can imagine. Yes. 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 Oh, I read this from a couple different sources. And when I read it, it was always like this set burnt down except for Reagan's bedroom was the only it was the only mm. thing left untouched. I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. That sounds like urban legend material yeah. right there. But they're like, yeah, Linda, you don't have to come in today. Uh, the entire set burned down. Yeah. So we're going to just go ahead and push this back till Friday. Yeah. So, God. <laughs> Yeah, so set burnt down. <laughs> got it. Um, got it. Ellen Burstyn, who played Reagan's mother, um, yes. she suffered um, a spinal injury when a stunt went wrong. So it was when she was like hurled across the room by Reagan. Um, her mm-hmm. harness malfunctioned and she hurt herself. And um, her screams of pain in the movie are real because oh, she hurt. Cool. Yeah, she hurt her spine. <laughs> And it's actually still messed up. So it was a permanent injury. Cool. Um, and probably didn't get paid that much because this is what the 70s when this came out? Yes. Was this? Yeah. So yeah, we're not covered under any type of work comp to this day probably. No, <laughs> no, probably not. Probably mm. not worth it to work on this freaking devil movie. Hell no. No ma'am. <laughs> No thanks. (laughs) So some of the cast and crew claimed that objects on set would move around on their own. And they had an actual priest on set as like a consultant. And he ended up blessing the set because of the the goings on. So this is kind of a very interesting fact about The Exorcist that I didn't know until last year. And it's freaking creepy. Um, So there was an actual serial killer who was used as an extra in the film. Okay, was he the guy when they took her to the hospital? Yes. Maybe he was like the MRI guy yes. or CT, whatever you called it. Wasn't he, I don't remember that story, but I remember that they had mentioned it on My Favorite Murder yes. or somebody in passing that was like fully a serial killer that was just working on the set, like not related to the movie's right. problems, but that's like bad vibes. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> they wanted to use like actual doctors. And so the scene where they filmed the hospital, they just used the people who worked there and he was an x-ray technician. So they used him in the film. And then, yeah, his name was Paul Bateson. And later it came out that he was a serial killer and God damn it, Paul, you know? <laughs> yes. He was convicted of killing one person, but it's pretty much known that he killed at least six more men. And he ki- he killed gay men. Like, he would pick them up for... Uh, yeah. He was like an herb yeah. bellmeister yeah. or whatever, whatever that guy's name was. Awful. The ma- hate The it. mannequin man. The mannequin man from Indiana, mm-hmm. no less, wasn't he? <laughs> yep, he lived in... So we got, a, lived in we got another one. Yep. Cool. Thanks, Paul. You did your best. Yep. Fucking gross. Yeah. So that's crazy that a literal serial killer was involved in the film. Oh, my God. So have you heard all the stories about, like, the audience watching the film and, like, passing out or, like, getting sick or whatever? So um, at the Roman premiere of the film, two crazy things happened, which is kind of crazy that it was, like, the Roman premiere because it's, like... Catholic. Roman Catholic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, So, one, a man in the premiere passed out from from fright, and he hit his jaw on the seat in front of him and broke his jaw. And he sued Warner Brothers, which I guess as you do. As one would. Sure, yes. Um, The other creepy thing that... From what I can tell, this actually happened. Um, there was a storm during the movie, and there was a church across the street from the theater. But lightning struck a cross that was on top of the church across the street, and it fell off the building. Oh, like are my you God. kidding? Are you fucking serious? If that happened, I'd be like, bye. Like, nope, goodbye no, forever. No, Fuck this. no, bye, Pazuzu. Across the street. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. say his name. Yeah. Because, no, I that okay. So. That is legit. To me, I feel like that's a bad, bad sign. It, yeah. You should not be at this movie. You shouldn't be showing this movie. No fucking thank you. Exactly. No, I don't want it. 
<laughs> so Linda Blair, who played Reagan, people are really stupid, and she needed a. <laughs> sure. They are. She needed a bodyguard after this movie came out because she received so many like threats of death and bodily harm and all of this because people thought that she was actually possessed. I'm like, oh, how fucking stupid. So nothing's changed. Essentially. Right. I'm like, do you not know what a movie is? Right. Do you guys know what acting is or no? Right. No? Nobody? Okay. Yeah. I fucking hate people for that reason. I really do. So this little girl has to be tormented after she's in a blockbuster film at this point. I don't know if it was, that's, that's an exaggeration. I don't know that it did. Yeah. It, well oh, it did. That. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's just stupid because that still happens to this day. It's like, well, I hate your character that I saw you in Grey's Anatomy. So I'm going to give you death threats to your home and scare your kids or whatever. Like, right. cool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys not know what a movie is? Yeah. Dumbasses. Um, so that's all I have for The Exorcist. So I love it. I'm not going to like go into detail about these, but other supposedly cursed movies, The Omen, um, Rosemary's oh. Baby. Mm-hmm. And the crow. So yes. my question is like, why is there never like a comedy movie that's cursed? Right. You know, it's like they're like bridesmaids. <laughs> yeah. Man. I'm telling you the shit, the shit that went down on bridesmaids or the hangover. Right. You know, it's like, and then a cross fell from across the street <laughs> in the Las Vegas. Street. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then Bradley Cooper was cursed forever. Like that's insane. I can't. I hate it. Just stop working on horror films then, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Wasn't the Amityville horror movie also supposedly cursed? Or like even the the remake with, was it Ryan Reynolds yeah, or something? Yeah, he looks very hot in that movie, by the way. Very hot. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Wasn't he the stepdad? Yeah, and he has like a big yeah. beard. Yeah, and he's grisly and crazy. Yeah. I love it. I love a grisly crazy a man. A grisly crazy man. Um, <laughs> Bring it to me. <laughs> I don't know if it was like curse, but it's, I mean, that movie has its own set of circumstances because it was yeah. like supposedly based on a true story, but it was like all a hoax. Right. Right. Because Lorraine Warren is a quack and I'm sorry if all my, fa- all the, <laughs> if all the listeners, you know, the three people that right. we may acquire this first round. I was a big fan of Lorraine Warren in the early 2000s. I thought that that was so cool mm-hmm. to be a demonologist and like. It's just bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say that because, like, I, I can't say I don't believe in paranormal stuff. I fully be- I believe in a lot of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. But, Lorraine, you're a fucking quack. I hate to say that, but it's all been debunked. All of right. it. Right. And she's just so... It's like, I'm going to keep this doll locked in a case in my own home, but <laughs> no one else can touch it. Bitch, are you serious? Like, that's why her hair was so big. It's full of curses. <laughs> I guarantee it. It makes perfect sense. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I let's so the moral of your story was maybe don't make a creepy movie in the eighties with dead bodies that are right, right. And well, the and then The Exorcist was based on a little boy's actual story. So maybe don't fuck with someone's supposed real story because you're gonna bring bad stuff out of the universe. That's true to your doorstep. Gross. Well, those are good ones. I like it. Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> oh, do you want to do you want to hear what my little subject is today? I'm very excited. On the edge of your seat, I am sure. Yes. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. By the way, I just I have to put it out there that I'm literally sitting in my closet right now. Yeah, fully surrounded by clothes. We're on a Skype call. Yeah. And I can see her in her closet. I'm actually going to try that because the acoustics in this uh, extra bedroom in my home is <laughs> pretty empty in here. So I don't know how well this is going to work and. I had to leave the door open because my dog kept barking during the, like, trial run. So she wanted in because she's nosy. So, and she's not even in here. She just wanted the door open. Oh, she just had to check on you? Yeah. She's like, she'll do one little bark and stand there. And then you open the door and she's like, no, I'm good. I was just checking (laughs) to see if you were in there. So just wanted to bother you while you're doing that. (laughs) Right. So, um, so when we talked about this podcast, we didn't really want to nail down any specific, um, genre, like true crime, true crime, excuse me, and... Um, cause everybody's done everything, but we still wanted to do one cause, uh, we find ourselves entertaining. So That's right. I picked, I picked this story because it's something that I saw on a television show many years ago and I was Googling it, trying to find the show, could not find it, could not find the episode, couldn't find a mention of the episode. And I knew this episode had the, a big letter X in it, like X file or unexplained or X Factor even. I'm like, that's not it. (laughs) I'm like, that's the wrong show. No, that can't be right. But you know, when you're looking for stuff, you're just like, what was that image? And um, so 
I found in Google a book that had this story in it. So um, I grabbed it from the library. It's called Return to Life, Extraordinary Cases of Children Who Remember Their Past Lives. And it's by Jim Tucker, and he's a doctor. He goes around and he studies these kids that supposedly remember past lives and they can recall specific events only that person or someone close to them would have known, but it's someone they've never met. It's someone that didn't even live in their time usually, so someone that's passed years before they were born. Um, I find it fascinating because I don't know how you could get this specific information if you're five, six, you can't Google. Right. Um, this happened like in 2005 or six, I would say, because the television show that I finally did track it down because I was like, this is crazy. And I'll tell you guys a little bit about that later because it's still one of those weird things. Um, so my story is about a little boy named Ryan. He lived in Oklahoma. And he was about four or five when all this started. So his mom um, says that Ryan starts telling these stories. He's having nightmares. He's, he's um, complaining of chest pain. Mom, my heart exploded. He's being kind of weird and crying and waking up in the middle of the night. So... Um, Ryan, again, he was just a small town in Oklahoma, began telling his mom Cindy stories um, that concerned her, and they were about um, wanting to go back to Hollywood. I want to go back to Hollywood. I want to see my family. And so she was like, I don't know what he's talking about. She didn't really believe in reincarnation because um, I think she was Baptist and her husband was like the son of a Church of Christ minister. So they didn't really think of that. And so she chalked Ryan's like weird stories he started coming up with to imagination. Um, so again, when Ryan was four, he started mention mentioning Hollywood like he'd been there. And um, he would pretend to act and direct. He'd yell action while playing. And then a few months later... Ryan started doing the grabbing his chest and the, you know, I can't breathe and I, my heart's exploding. So all this starts building up and Ryan started explaining stuff to Cindy, like what it was like when you died. He would describe bright lights. He would state things like, you're supposed to go into the light and all this. Like, can you fucking imagine? No, I was just going to say, like, I feel like having a kid would be hard enough. It is. Yeah. And then he starts talking about this. I'd be like, what do you do? Right. Like, fuck 100% of that. I have a little boy, and if he came to me, he said weird stuff, like, when he was little, if I was thinking something in the car, sometimes my son would pipe up and say it out loud, and I'd be like, what? And he'd say, oh, we're going to go to this thing, or something random, and I was like, well, that was weird. But again, I don't know if I was talking to myself, because I do that. Right. (laughs) I was like, well, okay, son, thanks. Like, it freaked me out, but I can't imagine him coming up to me and saying this. So, like, Again, you know, Cindy thinks reincarnation is not really a thing. Being religious, she's like, I don't know that that's a thing. But Ryan keeps bringing up really random things about Hollywood and how he used to live there. And when he would, he'd say, "When I'm when I'm Ryan, this." But when I was my other me, basically. So they could. He didn't have a name. He didn't know who the person was. But he just referred to this past life. So she tried to help ease Ryan's mind by grabbing some books about Hollywood um, with pictures in them, different things from the library. So they're flipping through these books, and she's hoping that Ryan will see a landmark or some other item that might trigger his memory. So that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So he looks through these books, and he sees a photo of Rita Hayworth. And he said he knew her, and she used to make those ice drinks. And his mom's like, well, what are you talking about? And he said, they're called Coke floats, Mom. Like, she used to make us those. Which is so creepy to me. That truly is. I hate it because it's specific. It's very right. weird. And sure, you could say that about anybody. But like he said, I know her. So finally they get to this book. It's got a bunch of pictures in it. And it's um, a photo from 1932. It was a still from the movie called Night After Night. Ryan looks at it and he's like, well, that's George. We used to work together. And, and there's me. That's me. And so he's pointing at this picture. There's... Nobody's named in the photo. It's like unnamed extras, basically. So they did identify George in the picture, who was George Raft. He was a film star in the 30s and 40s and did a bunch of gangster movies. So Ryan mentioned being friends with Cowboy, a cowboy in the movie, and mentioned a horse that did tricks and that the cowboy did commercials for cigarettes. And they found the actor Gordon Nance, who was in Night After Night. He later changed his name to Wild Bill Elliott. He starred in westerns. He did cigarette commercials for Viceroy Cigarettes. To me, that's when I was like, all right, well, this kid, 
has to know this. Right. He he didn't just hear this from somewhere. No. No, because this is like small town Oklahoma. Exactly. They're, and they said, we didn't watch black and white movies. We didn't. That wasn't really the genre we were into. We don't know where he got this. Again, and this is like MySpace days, man. There's not like a whole bunch of, there's right. chat rooms. And this isn't like now when you could put in anything in Google and pull up, you know, somebody's address, social Firstborn, whatever you want. Now, how old did <laughs> yeah? How old did you say he was? Four when it started. He was in preschool, and he was five when he finally started like really putting some facts together. Right. So no way he's out there. No. On, you know, <laughs> he's out there on Google. You know. <laughs> so Ryan recognizes a photo of Marilyn Monroe. He called her that Mary lady, and he mentioned that he tried to speak to her. For some reason, I thought you were gonna say Marilyn Manson. I don't know yeah. why, but that was <laughs> he just... did. He did know Marilyn Manson. Yeah. <laughs> also in a past life. Um, that's, a, that's another past life. <laughs> that's a totally different story. Yeah. Um, this kid's a metalhead. He just was super into rock and um, he uh, believed in the Antichrist. Yeah. And so, um, so Ryan's like, I tried to talk to her at a party, but um, one of the studio guys punched me in the eye and he was laughing like he said, you could not get close to Marilyn because the studio would not let you get near her. Um, and then he liked living in Hollywood. You know, he loved these parties, but he enjoyed making films. He, he liked living in a big house with a swimming pool. So he like conversationally talked about Marilyn Monroe. Like I saw her at a party, tried to talk to her, wasn't allowed to, like nobody was allowed to, and just thought it was so funny. Like what the fuck is happening? Yeah, for real. So Cindy was keeping a journal about most of this stuff, I think. And she wrote to Jim Tucker, who wrote this book that I got some of this information from. So Jim travels the country. And like I said earlier, he meets families trying to determine if this is for real or not. And so he's like, well, okay, we're probably going to have to meet this kid. So he talked, he has several conversations with Cindy. And I think the main goal for Cindy was to try to bring some peace to her son. Because this was keeping him up he was really anxious about it um he was worried about these memories that he was having and he also had a lot of shame about it so I don't even think they told his dad at first because it was kind of like oh this is weird and you know we don't know what's happening and Ryan was like I don't want anyone to know about this so they're like well why don't we reach out to this guy that's a professional he knows what he's doing she wanted him to have answers basically so Dr. Tucker gets that photo of the six guys from night after night from Cindy and uh I guess they tried to figure out who this dude was. So they watch YouTube. Uh, night after night, there's a clip on there. He's looking at it. He's like, I, I don't know. Um, it was pretty obscure because everything from the 1930s is obscure to somebody like me, honestly. Well, same. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what the hell that is. But I guess they did say that this was Mae West's first film and it included a classic Mae West line. I thought it was cute and it said... Um, a hat check girl stops her and says, goodness, what beautiful diamonds. And Mae West replies, goodness has nothing to do with it, dearie. And I thought that was so cute. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this, but I thought, how cute. So um, Cindy was mentioning weird stuff again, Ryan keeps saying. So again, in this notebook, she's like, uh, Ryan had come back to earth because he didn't spend enough th time with his family in his last life. And he worked so much. And he said, I just forgot love was the most important thing. And like, bro that broke my heart. <laughs> So I was like, oh, so she said Ryan had nightmares about Senator Five, which was the nastiest villain who ever lived, according to Ryan. So some of his stories would kind of go in a tangent of like sort of make believe and they're like Senator Five, like F-I-V-E. Like, that's a weird, that sounds pretty cartoony to me. Yeah. So they're like looking up Senator Five. They're not finding anybody with that name. Um, he mentioned an agency and going to travel to New York and being in a graveyard with a friend who worked with the agency. And by this point, they're like, oh, he thinks he's a spy, like a secret agent. Or this is very fantastical stuff that a child is bringing up. So they're like, all right, well, they continued asking him stuff and listening. And he said, um, a week after, I guess, mentioning this stuff, Ryan was reluctant to go to kindergarten because I think he brought some of it up. And that's when that whole he didn't want to tell he didn't tell his dad didn't want to tell anybody thing um and so kids were kind of being mean to him and that kind of sucks uh I hate children no I don't <laughs> I just I just hate I hate mean people and kids are the root of all evil sometimes so um, good save Ryan yeah 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 I don't hate children everything's fine um um so Ryan did mention things like tap dancing routines he mentioned Broadway he heard some music on an old cartoon that reminded him of a song he would tap to and he said, oh, I danced with two buddies. We taught ourselves. We didn't go to classes or anything. So these are just so fucking weird. Mm -hmm. Like, it's weird things that a child is saying. This is all kind of email correspondence between mom and, and Dr. Tucker. 
He visits the family right after they'd went on a vacation to Branson, Missouri. Uh, Cindy told Ryan he could dress up when they went to see this show there. And Ryan said, I hate auditions. Like he thought he had to audition. (laughs) Wear his little clothes. So the show they ended up seeing was something that had a tribute to veterans. And Ryan got super emotional and booed when Franklin Roosevelt played. And his dad got on to him. And he said, daddy doesn't know what an idiot that man is. Like, as if he had personal right. memories of, that's so weird. Oh, I hate it. Freaks me out. So they get back and they meet with uh, Dr. Tucker. They meet about three months shy of Ryan's sixth birthday. So they review the notes Cindy's taken. And sometimes he would say things daily. Sometimes it would be weeks at a time. So it was sporadic, which kind of fed into there. well, maybe he's making this stuff up. You know, he's, you ask him about it and he kind of, sometimes he'll say something very specific. Sometimes he won't. So they get there, they're talking to him. He says that uh, his previous mother had curly brown hair. He mentioned a sister three years his junior. He mentioned a daughter who had pigtails. He um, sometimes mentioned about three other children, and he couldn't remember if he was one of the three kids that he was recalling or if he had three kids. He mentioned elaborate coloring books, though. Those three kids had something to do with coloring in these really pretty coloring books. And he said, I drove a green car and my wife had a white one. He mentioned travel. He remembered going to Paris, China, New York. He remembered the Eiffel Tower, but he couldn't remember the name of it. But he did describe it to his parents and they said, oh, this and showed him. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. That's it. He just couldn't remember the name, which any six-year-old wouldn't know the Eiffel Tower anyway. Right. He was able to perfectly use chopsticks at his age when they went to a restaurant. Uh, He mentioned Chinatown, and he just didn't have to be shown how to use chopsticks. And to be quite honest, I'm terrible. Yeah, I was just going to say, I can't even use them now. (laughs) No, I'm fumbling. I'm dropping stuff. And so he picked it up. He's cool. So these are some of the weird things that he can do. He asked his mom for a true aid once. Um, She said, what? And he was like, a Dr. Pepper. And so she's like, what the hell is a true aid? So she looks it up, and that was a non-carbonated type of soda type thing that was, I think it was produced the 40s through the 70s. So it was discontinued years and years right. before he was born. So he asked for a true aid, and he's like kind of absentmindedly asking for that. And he's like, I'm in a Dr. Pepper. So good save, kid. Yeah. You, you know, <laughs> you tried. So Dr. Tucker is confused about the agency thing. Again, he thought it was like a secret agent. This kid's maybe being, you know, making up fantasies about being a secret agent and he said no I mean a talent agency like people would come there and they would be actors and we'd get them jobs he explained what he meant and he's like okay you mean a talent agency and he kept saying Senator Five from New York was a terrible person you know he's looking at these pictures of these people that Dr. Tucker thinks he might mean so this is so creepy this is where I don't know this whole thing the whole time I had my mouth open watching this because this is what happened in the tv show the book is very close to what the TV show had. So Ryan picks this guy out and he's like, it's, it, that's Senator Five. And they're like, you're sure? Yes, out of four men. The man in the photo was Senator Irving Ives. Oh my gosh. So Senator Five was Senator Ives. He served 12 years as a state senator in New York. Wow. So he remembers being in a graveyard with Senator Five and Senator Ives. So they're like, cool, that's fucking creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing about his Hollywood address, he did remember that it had rock or mount in the name, like, you know, whatever. He couldn't place it. So all these memories are specific and inspecific at the same time. So he's remembering all this and he's just trying to piece this together. Again, they still have no idea who this kid is and the guy is in the picture. So they they thought it was one guy. They nailed it down to uh, it's for sure him. And he's showing Ryan and Ryan's like, no. They even, I think, let me see, they even took him to a couple places in Hollywood and it just wasn't it wasn't the right place it wasn't him it wasn't Ryan nothing triggered his memory he's like this doesn't this isn't it so they thought well he just doesn't want to do this he's tired he's a little kid so you know you don't you drag somebody somewhere you don't want to be then he's not going to be very responsive they kind of mentioned this the, the tv show that I did watch was called the unexplained and I think they're not the x factor not the X Factor. This kid didn't get any type of like golden X or however the fuck. I don't know. Whatever it is. I don't watch that either, apparently, because I have no idea what the hell is going on. They kind of mentioned being on TV to him, but they were a bit reluctant. They sent them to Hollywood to see some of the actors' later, um, last residence with that first actor they thought it might be. It was Ralph Harold, I think was the guy's name. And um, it just didn't match up. So he's like, no. But he did recognize a home while he was there. He's like, I know that house. The house... 
that he recognized belonged to Wild Bill Elliott, the guy that was in the cigarette commercials that had the Okay, that's too much. So he knew. He said, that I know that house. So he didn't. So this Ralph guy's like, no, that's not. That house is not right. Nothing. Nothing about it's adding up. So the producer of the show, once they get involved, hires Kate Coe, who's an archival footage consultant. So she's identifying the man in the photo for Ryan. She finds this guy. His name's Marty Martin. And if that's his stage name. I don't remember his real name. But um, he did have one daughter, as Ryan mentioned. So they call her. She's still living. They explain that Ryan thinks he may have been Marty Martin. And she's like, is this a joke? <laughs> like, that was my dad. What are you What are you talking about? So freaked her out entirely, I'm sure. Ryan met with Dr. Tucker again. And they identify one woman out of four photos who was Marty Martin's last wife. He said, I know her. I don't know why I know her. But he did identify her correctly out of four vague, random just headshots of women. They put a list of names out in front of him, like Marty Martin, John Johnson, Willie Wilson, you know, similar Mm -hmm. cadence of names. And Ryan identified Marty Martin. So he knew it was that one. He knew the wife. You know, he knew there was a daughter, which again, that's a shot in the dark. If you sit down with a... Um, someone that's going to tell your fortune and right. they're like, I sense you're a mother or I sense you're not a mother. Well, as a woman, either one or the two is going to Right. <laughs> so, okay. So he kind of, it could have been a shot in the dark. He's got a one in four chance of getting the shit right. So, so this is the part of the show that bothered me the most. They take Ryan back to Hollywood and they're like, we're going to let you meet Marty's daughter. And this bummed me the fuck out because they didn't show the actual meeting. I don't think she wanted to be on camera. So Ryan acted super weird after it. He said it was because he was sad. He didn't think he'd been gone that long and didn't understand why she was old. And like it broke my heart because he was like they had to explain that she'd grown up. And Ryan just like looked defeated. And he's just this child who is living these two lives. Like he's a little boy, but he also has this memory of his his child. And he's like, she, she's old. I don't, it was very, oh God, it made my stomach sick. So like, how did the daughter react? Was she? I I think that she was willing to just talk with him and I'm not, because they didn't film her. Mm -hmm. I'm not super sure. I think she was weirded out at first, but once they kind of confirmed some of the things with her, she was at least willing to put this child's mind at ease. Right. Because it's very upsetting. He said, this makes me sad. She got old. Why didn't she wait for me? Oh. And so he kind of stormed off like, I don't want to deal with this. But um, so here are some facts I thought were cool to tie this up that kind of give me the feeling that truly, truly, truly kids' brains are, they function differently than adults. They're not as jaded. And this gives me hope that if our souls do go wherever, that we can be reincarnated and come back and come back and keep doing lives over to get it, not you know, right, I guess you could say. Because I hate the, you know, death is scary and Mm -hmm. like the whole finality of everything this is this is what ryan got right and he did have some misses but martin's daughter was eight when he died so the daughter they met she was only eight tucker sat down with her to get her facts straight and between her memories and info that um russ the producer of uh the tv show gathered with his team this is kind of what they came up with so marty was born in 1905 his mother did have curly brown hair as ryan said Um, Marty and his sisters really did go to New York to be dancers where he truly did dance in various reviews on Broadway, as Ryan had mentioned. I think also he mentioned that I had two sisters and even the daughter didn't know of another sister because of the age difference. And I don't know if they were in contact. He thought, or they did confirm that Marty had two sisters. The daughter was like, I didn't even know that. So that's wild as hell to me. Um, he did become a Hollywood agent. He actually did do that aside from acting and dancing. He set up Marty Martin Agency and he had several connections to Rita Hayworth, who Ryan previously pointed out. And Marty Martin's wife's family knew Marilyn Monroe. Wow. So so his wife was in contact with Marilyn. Um, so that would put them at similar parties in Hollywood with the studio involved, most likely. Ryan had mentioned at one point getting sunburns and taking girlfriends to the beach, I guess, in passing. He'd said something about he liked to go there. There are tons of photos of Marty Martin on the beach with women. He did enjoy watching surfers, which Ryan had also mentioned. I like to watch people surf. And so Marty, that one of his pastimes proven by photos with that his daughter or archival footage or whatever, they did prove that. So he was correct on that. Um, and Marty was married four times and was quite wealthy. So... At first, they were like, he keeps mentioning this big house and swimming pool in Hollywood, but we can't even name this actor. He's got, like, bit parts. He's not really credited with a lot. But he was married four times, and he did acquire wealth. So 
Ryan remembered Marty's cars accurately. So the car colors were right. Even though I don't think his wife technically drove, they did have a custom car and she was driven in the colored cars that he'd mentioned, I believe green and white. Um, he did remember the home with the swimming pool and that address was 825 North Roxbury. And he had mentioned it has rock or mount in the name. So it was Roxbury. Marty's daughter showed them a photo of her parents in Paris, which Ryan had mentioned going to. Ryan had also mentioned a big ship that he liked to dress up in fancy clothes and he loved to dance. And, and there's a picture that Marty's daughter has of a big ship. It was the Queen Mary, which Marty and his wife traveled to Europe on. And so they did have balls and things on the ship. So he remembered doing that, which is not printed anywhere. Right. Like, that's what I'm like. What the f- what the fuck? <laughs> he could not have known that. I think all I just, of these things together, like no one could know it. No, he's an uncredited actor, right? In Hollywood, it's not like it's someone that has like books written about them or no, stuff like that. No, exactly. Like, oh, he was a big name and whatever. Like, maybe you could Google the Marty Martin Talent Agency or something. But again, this was many many years ago. It was not a huge deal you know it's not like he was he was a Rita Hayworth or he was a Marilyn Monroe he was just a, a someone that was acquainted mm-hmm. so the one that bothers me the most is Marty's daughter did have a photo of Marty and Senator Ives together wow that's the one that bothers me because he kept saying Senator Five is a bad guy he's such a bad guy so they don't know it didn't appear that they were on the outs but I don't know what they covered up or right doing in a graveyard or whatever right that was like why are you in a graveyard <laughs> Yeah, that's legit mob shit, and I don't want – I the disclaimer, I want no part of it. <laughs> I, I want – I know none of your business, even all these years later. And uh, so that was one that stuck out to me. And Ryan mentioned Marty hated cats. He said, oh, I hate cats, you know, or he – I hated them because they scratched me something awful, which was something strange that a little boy would say. And it turned out that Marty's daughter confirmed he did hate cats. I guess he tried to help an injured one. And it scratched him, and and Ryan recalled that. And something about also, like, I bought my daughter a guard dog, but she hated it. And I guess he actually bought him, like, a Yorkie, and she wasn't very fond of the dog. So it wasn't necessarily a guard dog, unless you – well, I don't know. They are ankle biters. They are. They're loud. They're loud, and they kind of stink. So I don't know if that would deter anybody. But, yeah, so that was something he remembered. The thing about the coloring books, he did have a lot of stepkids. He was married four times, like I said earlier. And uh, she remembered him bringing them elaborate coloring books. Wow. Always had, his, da- his daughter did remember that. And Ryan said, I died with numbers uh, on the door. Uh, the room I was in had numbers on the door. And Marty did die in a hospital. He kept doing the chest pain thing. But really what he died was, they believe it was his complications from leukemia and a cerebral hemorrhage. But again, they said, you know, there was no like autopsy and all that stuff that they did then uh, not that they didn't do them but you know there was it was he died natural causes right. almost, of sickness so it could have very well been his heart as well so ryan's chest exploding that could have been that that was basically the gist he got like 55 i think they clocked it at 55 facts because i didn't want to cover them all but um he got them all, a ton of them right got some of them wrong and you know again that's if you are someone else and yourself you know, you're bound to mix right. <laughs> things up. So he was a, ch- and he's a small child. So Ryan knew a lot of other psych- psychic type things about his own birth, about his mom not wanting a boy and how she reacted when she found out it was a boy. And she's like really ashamed of that now because Ryan saw her react. He knew that she was pregnant with him and like kind of cried and really wanted a girl. And she kind of threw a little bit of a fit and she's like really ashamed of that now because Ryan knows that now no one she didn't tell anybody that she's ashamed of it never talked about it like I feel stupid for even I'm just glad he's healthy right but so Ryan like saw that a woman they walked in when they were out of town somewhere just to get his hair cut at one of those little walk-in places and he knew the woman was about to pull out red scissors he mentioned her red her special red scissors and she got her case out with her shears in them and they were red just weird stuff that Ryan picked up he obviously has some sort of ability 100 percent yeah so and then six months after the program aired on a and e the unexplained life in the movies now here's what's weird to me it, it aired on april 30th 2011 so that's in the book i'm like oh that's the show so i look it up i'm looking that's the only episode of that show that aired that year they did one episode and somehow i caught it and it has stuck with me for eight years wow like i was like why can't i find this fucking show you can find everything and i could not find it wow so 
I was super stressed, like, did I make this up? But his story's on Google here and there. So I'm tracking this down and I, I happened to catch the one episode they aired. I wonder if they marketed a, a, like a lot and I was like, oh, I got to watch that. Right. But I didn't ever catch live TV. I may maybe even had DVR at the time. But so the only link to the actual show is a wiki page and there's one true episode and somehow I caught it. And it was, um, I think it was supposed to be on the biography channel and it's still marketed as such if you do see it. I think it, it did air on A&E. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the biography channel ended up rebooting The Unexplained and continuing in 2012. Six months after it airs, Ryan took down all his New York and Paris themed decor in his room and he decided to be a regular kid. Aww. He kind of he kind of put it away. And I think meeting the daughter. It was like, yeah, him. closure. Yeah. Yeah. So he said he didn't get to pass on or whatever because he he didn't spend enough time with his family. And I think seeing her growing up and that she didn't wait for him, which just kills me. Oh, he, he decided he just wanted to be Ryan. And I, I hope that Ryan, if he's still out there in Oklahoma, I hope he's doing well because he's a teenager now. And, right. Um, I hope that, you know, if he has abilities, I hope they serve him well. You know, when I hear stories like this, because I have heard other stories about like reincarnation and actually my grandma really believed in it. So I was kind of Mm -hmm. exposed to just the idea of it. Like since I was younger, my grandma believed that she was reincarnated from a Native American woman. But just when I hear things like this with so many like facts and just it's like, what is another what is the other explanation? Right. There just isn't one. Like in my brain, I don't think that there could be anything else. Right. I just love it. And I hope that it's true. Honestly. I And the, so the book, again, is called Return to Life. I'll put a picture up on our Instagram uh, in case anybody wants to pick it up because there are several stories in it. I haven't read them yet. I did just read Ryan's because and it, it is written just like the show. That, that I remember. So my memory was not far off from what I read. And I was, I remember the Senator five thing. Cause it just sounds like a villain. It, it does sounds like a villain. And so he did remember this. And I just think it's so awesome that we're able to get these kids stories out there. And I hope that it, it didn't make them have any you know trouble, but I think they were even someone reached out to them and they were afraid that like their pastor or whoever was going to judge them. And they were like, no, Ryan's got a gift. Like, I hope he uses it to further, you know, whatever you believe. That's, I hope that the positive outcome is all that they have received from this, honestly. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that was very interesting. I was. It was. It stuck with me. I love that story. And I, how the hell I caught the one episode. That, that is fun. Like a fun fact. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Just that one. So I was meant to tell his story. My ego, my ego decided to pop in. So let's see, what can we go over? Any recommendations this week? Anything that we need to tell our listeners that they should check out? Um, yes, I do have a recommendation for another podcast. Yes. And it's been going on for, I think, a couple months now, but I just started binge listening to it. And I'm on episode like 10 now. And I think they have close to 20 episodes. Um, mm-hmm. But it's called Cold. Have, have you listened to it? I haven't. I'm going to check that out. Um, What's it about? It's about the Susan and uh, Chris Powell case. Yes. I, I've heard about that case, but I haven't heard oh my this God. podcast. Okay, so Ugh. we're shallow dive. That mm-hmm. podcast is a freaking deep dive because... Deep, deep dive, deep, deep. yeah. It's... It goes over, like, every aspect of their relationship. And um, if you don't know, like, he killed his wife and then killed himself but there's a lot of just fucking craziness that goes into it and their kids were involved or something like that there were children yeah yeah. that's the one that sucked yes and like the 911 call is like oh god it's horrible but yeah so that podcast sometimes when I listen to a podcast that's like one story but long like multiple episodes of one story it like I get bored a little bit but that one is keeping my interest like I'm fully invested so I definitely recommend that one it's sad though so just a warning for sure yeah are you reading anything right now that you like or have you seen any tv shows or like anything that you have been interested in lately um not lately although tonight is the premiere of that um on hbo that serial yeah so I'll, i'll be watching that Yes, I will be watching that. Um, I will always want to promote podcasts as well because that that's something we clearly are interested in and something that inspired us. I want to just give a quick shout out to my friend Melissa who 
has a podcast called Just the Tipsters. It's T-I-P-S-T-E-R-S. It's like a play on Just the Tip. <laughs> Nobody? I get anybody? It. I get okay. it. She, um, how I found her actually was uh, when the Golden State Killer was caught I just searched Golden State Killer in podcasts, like that one of the podcast apps, and it'll bring up episodes that mention, you mm-hmm. know, him. And uh, I picked hers, just happened to listen to it. Her voice is very calming, but it is, she's well-researched. And she read, I believe she read the letter of Michelle McNamara's I'll Be Gone in the Dark, the one that she said, like, letter to an old man, which is kind of like how she closes her book. Like, if you're still out there, you know, we're going to get you, basically. And, and Melissa read it. And I was hooked. So I went back and listened to her podcast. We actually became friends. So Just the Tipsters is my recommendation this week for podcasts. And unfortunately, my recommendation for TV shows is Leaving Neverland on HBO. So if you're going to catch Adnan's story tonight, um, please go back and watch the two-part Leaving Neverland about Michael Jackson because it is harrowing. Oh, God. It, it It is worth your time. It's uh, four hours total, I think. So it's two two part, two hours. Wade Robson and uh, James Sachuk were two children that were uh, molested by Michael Jackson. So it is uh, very important, I think, for people to understand trauma and how things like this could happen and how someone can be an awesome, life-changing, history-making artist mm-hmm. and can also be a pedophile. It just, it can happen. Yeah. So whatever your opinion is, that's okay. We're cool with that. Whatever... Whatever you think, but it's worth your time to check out. I'm, so. I'm I will watch that because definitely watch it. Let me. We'll talk. We'll discuss. We'll talk we about will. it even off the podcast. Yeah. Or, um, so I want to promote our social media uh, real quick because there's not a whole lot on it, but we're getting there. We're gonna put some things up. Um, we are at Shallow Dive Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have questions, if you have any like listener stories you want us to share, let us know at Shallow Dive Pod at gmail.com. And if you, um, you know, want us to share your story or if you have suggestions, let us know it's okay to share it <laughs> So yes. in your email so that I don't go reading, you know, hey, uh, Tiffany, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to tell your business unless it's just um, something that you have given us consent to do. So um, thank you. And yeah. send us questions that we can answer on the podcast. Yeah, send us questions. And eventually if this, if more than three people listen, we'll maybe put up a Patreon at some point and give bonus content. Um and if uh, they don't, then hi, Mom. Yeah. Um, hi, Hannah. <laughs> glad you're here. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, Hannah. I love your cat. So, um, yeah. Um, but that's all I think we have for this week. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.